Now look, I've had coffee. First service was empty. You guys can go ahead and be seated. Uh, first service was pretty amped up. They were with me. Are you ready to worship today? Yeah. All right, good. I need you to be with me because this t- today's topic, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to lay out scripture and it's a heavy calling that I'm going to put out there today. But there, there's no other word for, for what a relationship is supposed to be other than that which scripture describes. Now, we're starting off a series on marriage and relationships, and you might be saying, I'm not married and I'm not in a relationship, and so this does not pertain to me. And I want to tell you, I'm pretty sure you know someone who's married or in a relationship. I'm pretty sure it's affected your day, and if you knew some truth to speak into their life, it would have benefit for you, and perhaps God still might have a relationship ahead for you in life. And if you could, you know, the person who's driving too slow in front of you on Del Prado, maybe if they were happier, they'd be more in a rush to get home, and that would just make your life better, all right? And so relationship information, you need to know because our government will try to define what a relationship is, what a marriage is. Our culture will try to define what a marriage is, but scripture is what defines what a marriage is. Amen? Amen. So we need to know what it's supposed to look like and the calling that is given in scripture. It is huge. It is difficult. And I'm going to start there. I recognize that, but we don't minimize it to make it feel easy. I want you to know the full weight of it is because culture's had a lot to say about what marriage is like and scripture has a lot to say. And so culture has kind of said things like this. Even if you go back to like the philosopher Socrates, he's accredited with saying, by all means, marry. If you get a good wife, you'll be happy. If you get a bad one, you'll become a philosopher. Now, if anyone should have known better than saying something like that, you'd think Socrates would have it. Uh, Women have had their say about marriage as well. Um, This was written by a woman, obviously. She said, a good wife always forgives her husband when she's wrong. That one's a slow cook joke. You'll get that in a minute. Um, One of the last kind of secular sayings that I saw about marriage that I'll share right now is, the secret of a happy marriage remains a secret. And that's a lot of what our culture says. And we can relate maybe with some of those things, but I want you to know, and, and I, I'll say this, like I do not pretend to have a perfect marriage. Every message I write, I write to myself and I let you listen to my internal dialogue. So hear me from a place of humility, but some of these things are definitely passions that God's put on my heart that I've got to see some wins as well as some losses in my marriage because we've all had moments in our critical relationships where we've received a message like this, we need to talk. And like, just even the background, some of you guys are like, oh man, that gives me anxiety. I remember that text. I was afraid of that conversation and it was exactly what I was afraid of. And if you're here, I wanna help you avoid some of those moments. We're never going to have a perfect relationship, but we can build a stronger relationship. And as we follow scripture's design for how we should navigate our relationships, it's going to get stronger and stronger in every season. And as we get into our passage, I'm starting this series off with what I believe is the most critical passage about marriage in scripture in Ephesians chapter five. But before we get to that very famous passage, I wanna make sure you understand the context because the apostle Paul calls back what he has just said as he introduces the topic of marriage in Ephesians five. And so I'm gonna just read this part. I'm not gonna project this part because this is just context. In Ephesians chapter five, verse 15, the apostle Paul, he's writing to the church and he says, so be careful how you live your life, how, how you live. Don't live like fools but like those who are wise, 
Make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. Don't act thoughtlessly, but understand what the Lord wants you to do. Don't be drunk with wine because that will ruin your life. Instead, here's the action steps. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs among yourselves and making music to the Lord in your hearts and give thanks for everything to God the Father in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so here's some parameters as you're living your life and you're singing your heart out to God, not just at Sunday on church, but through your week, as you're walking in the Holy Spirit, as you're giving thanks to God on a daily basis, as you're doing those things, here's some truths about marriage. And we're gonna put this up on the screen. And this is really our main passage, verse 21. I'm gonna read beyond it for context's sake. But verse 21, this is where we're gonna live today. And further, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. That, that concept, it, it, it's the, the book ends for when he talks about marriage. He goes back to it at the end, but he starts off and he says, further submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. And I'm going to pause here for a second before I read the rest, because we who have read Ephesians 5 before, we might remember, okay, Ephesians 5, it says that wives have to respect their husbands and husbands are like, yeah, they do. And it says, Husbands have to love their wives the way that Christ loved the church. And we always kind of separate, okay, it's the women who have to submit their needs, but I want to make sure you see the bookends that are described here. It starts off, submit to one another, and there are no gender marks on that. So guess what, men? You get to submit to your wife as well. You submit her needs above your needs, which completely weaves right into the challenge that Paul gives. So as you read the description that's given and the challenge that's given to the women, don't read it without recognizing where it starts and further submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. So there, there, there's our base starting point. And then it speaks to the women in verse 22. For wives, this means submit to your husbands as to the Lord. For a husband is the head of his wife as Christ is the head of the church. He being Jesus is the savior of the body, the church. As the church submits to Christ, so you wives should submit to your husbands in everything. Verse 25, for the husbands, this means love your wives, just as Christ loved the church and he gave up his life for her. All right, we're gonna, we're gonna unpack these passages as we go, but we're really gonna lean into verse 21 the most because it expands over both of these statements that are made to wives and to husbands. And as a starting point, I want you to recognize the direct calling to submit to one another. Now, this is an interesting calling because when we think of marriage, we often have this romantic concept that once you're married to someone, it's just gonna be butterflies and hearts and kisses and I love yous all the time. It's gonna be easy and beautiful by marrying this other person and bringing them into my life. My life has just gotten tremendously easier. And then we get married and we recognize early in our marriage, they're like, hey, I'm gonna make you a sandwich. And you're like, this is awesome. And then they start making the sandwich and you're like, but you're making that wrong. In this house, we use Miracle Whip, not mayonnaise. And, and it just goes on one slice of bread, not two. The other side is for the pickles. What do you mean you don't put pickles on? You don't even know how to make a sandwich. How did I get married to this person? And, and tension and heat kind of rises up. Like we have issues. We're called to submit to one another. You can't have submission to someone else unless there is difference of opinion. Do you recognize that? 
That the, the call to submit to one another, it first of all is recognizing that there's going to be problems. And when you face problems, and so we're gonna talk about submission this way, that it's a different concern, a different need, or a different opinion. And so when you need to submit to someone, you need to submit to them because they have a different concern, a different need, or a different opinion. And so when we experience conflict, the scriptural calling, and this is a big calling, I hear that. The scriptural calling is that when your spouse has a need that's different than yours, that you say, I'm going to put my need to the side to serve you. That is difficult. And in fact, it's difficult when you're at church to even think about that. But in the midst of a conflict where they are wrong and you are right, and the heat, and this is the first thing, there's there's three ingredients that are gonna build a stronger marriage in your life. The, The first of those three ingredients is heat. Now, some of you men will hear that and be like, yeah, Paul, tell them it's supposed to be hot. That's next week. Check your kids into kids ministry next week. You have been warned, all right? You will be warned again, but we are getting to that next week. Men are like, we're going to church next week. Okay. Um, The heat that I'm talking about here, I'm talking about like when the temperature is heated. When you have a difference of, of opinion and there's this sense, it's like, man, if this was really love, it shouldn't be this hard. Scripture starts off talking about marriage and says there's going to be conflict and there needs to be submission when there's conflict to each other. Not just submission to a person because they're the boss and because you're less important. Submission out of reverence for Christ. That I so love Jesus that part of my worship to him is going to be taking care of your needs above my own. And that's the heart of a biblical marriage. And really, the idea of two lives becoming one, it's not just about the act of physical intimacy that occurs after a wedding. That is not the joining of two lives together. There is an emotional joining of lives together that has to happen. There's wholesale change that will happen to your personality the longer that you're married if you're doing it right because your emotions and your needs are intermingling with the other person and it transforms you. I'm going to use this, this particle board, this plywood as an example. If you didn't know, recently I think they started making these out of gold because they've gotten very expensive lately. And it's strange because it's like, this should be the cheapest wood ever. It's, it's all these different pieces. And they're very useless pieces until they experience the heat and the pressure of the press. There's really, the, the, the different pieces, some adhesive, And it goes through a process where it experiences immense pressure and immense heat. And then it forms into something that is usable. Many pieces become one strong piece because of pressure and heat. And I want to tell you, if you're seeking to have a unified marriage, you're going to experience pressure and heat. And it's not without cause. It's not without benefit. God will allow you guys to experience some difficulties to forge something that is stronger than what you currently are. And each one of us brings, I mean, like our life is composed of pieces, like pieces of how my mom spoke to me, pieces of how involved your dad was, pieces of what your past relationships were like, pieces of what kind of maturity and education you went through. There's so many pieces to your life, but as you get near someone, you're gonna see some pieces that you didn't even know was there. One of the pieces of information that I give to, new, to people who are approaching marriage, I say, marriage 
is beautiful, but it will show you just how selfish you are. Because you will move from being a single person who only ever did what you want to do, and now the needs of someone else will be elevated above your own needs, and you will recognize how selfish you've been in your life. And so this, this first part of the message, the ingredient of making a building a stronger relationship, you have to see the times where it's like there's pressure, there's heat, there's difficulty, there's things about me being shown that I didn't want to be shown. There's things about them that I didn't know or that I don't know if I like. Look, all of that pressure is good if you will walk through it in submission to God where you say, I am so committed to you that none of this heat could ever draw me away from you. And so we're gonna work out this conclusion. And as you walk through those difficulties, you get bound closer and closer together. The heat in the pressing, it is a good thing. The, the necessity to submit your will, your desires, your need to someone else, it is a good thing, though it will be a painful thing sometimes. You know, us men, we definitely struggle with the times where we're like, I want to spend this. I want the boat. I want the car. I want the motorcycle. And she very reasonably says, that is not in the budget for right now. We, we need other priorities. And, and men, we have to be willing to say, you know what? I need to take care of my family before I take care of myself. I need to take care of my wife before I take care of myself. There, there are times where there's very reasonable expectations. And it's like, anyone would agree, I should be able to do this for myself, whether it's the husband or the wife. But when they look at it and they say, okay, this is not what's best for our family right now. Each one of us has to be able to say, okay, how can I serve the spouse that God has given me? And this, this concept, if you ignore Scripture's calling to marry someone who, who has the same faith as you, this is why that calling is so important because Scripture's design for a marriage is that you would just serve and submit and, and worry about them above yourself so much that if they don't have that same heart, that same reverence for Christ, it is going to make your marriage difficult. You might feel trampled upon. And that's why it's so important to have a shared faith in Jesus Christ. That it's out of, this passage says, it's out of reverence for him that we serve one another. And that's why single people, you have to make that a priority. You have to trust the Lord on this, that he will bring the right man or the right woman who, who puts him first so that they can properly love and serve you. And this is the way that scripture describes marriage. And so, first of all, when we talk about the heat, the difficulty, the need for submission in marriage, that is actually an ingredient that will help you grow when both of your hearts are turned toward, towards Christ. The second piece that, uh, to help build a stronger marriage that I think we need to focus on today is the, the word honor. The word honor. To submit to one another, you have to look at that person and you have to have a sense of honor for them, that their needs matter. Scripture actually will take that honor so far to say that we, we want to put their needs above our own. And Jesus, he spoke about marriage. Our culture likes to say that there's lack of clarity from scripture about this, but I want you to see just how clear Jesus was about the design of a marriage. Matthew 19, verses five through six. This is Jesus speaking and he says, for this reason, a man will leave his father and his mother and live with his wife. The two will become one. So they're no longer two, but one. Let no man 
divide what God has put together. And Jesus says when, when a marriage is put together, let no one dare approach that to destroy it. Let, let no one say that this, you know, you, you guys had, had a fight. Well, just maybe he's not the right one. Maybe you need to get a divorce and maybe you need to get out of that. Jesus says when God has put two together, do not divide them. Marriage is a covenant before him and it should be treated with honor. And we often think when marriage is not treated with honor, that that only has to do with intimacy. But I want to make sure that you recognize that the weaving of two lives together is not just physical, but it's also emotional and it's also spiritual. And we understand, you know, a physical affair, but I also want to make sure, you know, that one of the ways that marriage often gets dishonored is that people give the emotional part of them that should belong to their spouse to someone or something else. And one of the ways that we honor marriage is that we put up appropriate boundaries. I'll I'll use the concept of fences. There should be some fences up in your life that you recognize, like when this fence is in the ground, everything that's on this side of the fence is just for my spouse. Physical intimacy is just on this side of the, the fence. No one else gets that part of my life other than them. Emotional intimacy, it's on this side of the fence. No one else gets this part of my thoughts and my fears and my worries and my hopes and my dreams. No one else gets this level except for my spouse. When Jesus talks about marriage, he says, for this reason, a man will leave his father and mother. We see so many times in marriages where a young couple will be getting out on their own, but it's like they just don't fully leave. It's like, I've always leaned on my parents to to have this emotional support. Well, listen, you're married now and you have to find that within this side of the fence first. Do not speak about an issue regarding your spouse with someone else if you haven't talked with them first. There's an emotional intimacy that should be protected as well as a physical intimacy. There's a spiritual intimacy that you should have where you say, this is how my soul is doing. This is how my relationship with God is. They should have access to all of that. And if you've been going outside and saying destructive things about your marriage and you haven't had conversations with your spouse, then you might need to put a fence in the ground and move some things back to the other side of the fence. Honoring your marriage is more than just protecting physical intimacy, but there, there, there's different parts that you should be vulnerable with them and let them know this is how I'm doing. And that's part of how we, we honor our marriage. When we look at it and we talk about it, we should talk about marriage with honor. And so for you, are there, are there things that you need to address with your spouse and say, I wanna make sure all of our emotional intimacy is on the side of the fence. Whether it's been you or them, it doesn't matter to just say, hey, I wanna make, I wanna make sure you know I want this connection with you. Especially if you've been coming through a heated time and it's been difficult, that might be one of the hardest things to talk about where you say, I wanna get all of this right. I don't just want the physical part right. I don't just want the spiritual part right. I want all of it right. 
And to begin to have that conversation, we say, okay, we're going to bring some things back on the side of the fence. I haven't been talking with you about my dreams. I haven't been talking with you about my fears. I haven't been talking with you about my hopes. And I've been talking with, you know, my other friends or my other family members, and I'm going to bring it back to this side first. Some of you who are parents of young married couples, you need to propel them into weaving their lives together by staying out of their business some. And I love you and I love them, but you have to hear me. They need this from you. You be there as a support for both of them, not just your child. And one of the ways that you support them is you recognize there's some things that are on the other side of the fence from me now, even though they were mine for the last 22 years. Because we honor marriage. We honor our children's marriage. We honor our friend's marriage. We honor our marriage. The third ingredient to strengthen your relationship, I'd say, is humility. Humility is a requirement to submit yourself to one another. For, for you to look at someone and, and think that you're responsible for all of the good things and all of the blessing and you're all of the best things of their life, it, it's going to be hard for you to serve them if you think all you've ever brought to them is, is just all of the best because it's not accurate. I, I was reminded of this old story that I read from the 90s. It's attributed to Thomas Wheeler, the CEO of Massachusetts Mutual Life Insurance Company. He's a CEO, had all the money in the world, driving a nice car with his beautiful wife, going down the road. They, they're low on gas. They pull into a gas station. They stop. He's pumping the gas. She goes in to talk. And as he's pumping the gas, he looks and he sees this lowly gas attendant really like kind of chatting it up with his wife. And he's like, well, that's kind of strange. And she's talking and like her hands are kind of gesturing and, you know, they talk for a little longer than you'd expect for paying for gas. And she comes out and he says, well, what was that about? And as they get in the car, she says, well, him and I actually went to high school together and dated for about a year. And the CEO kind of chuckled. He's like, well, you dodged the bullet on that one. Here you are with me in our Mercedes. Um, you could have been with him, you know, the gas, gas attendant. And she, she laughed to herself and she said, honey, had I married him, he would have been the CEO and you would have been the gas attendant. We all think we bring a lot to the table. We all think that we're responsible for, you know, everything, every good thing that we've earned. And I think we also have a tendency to think every bad thing that's come into our life is someone else's fault. Uh, one of the things that I've definitely come to, re to recognize is that so much of my personal growth, so much of my spiritual growth can be attributed to the amazing woman that I married. And the man that I've become over the almost 20 years that we've been together, I can attribute that she has, she has helped me so much. When I think of humility in the way that she has served me and served the family and the way that I've tried to serve her, I think that it's a beautiful picture because within the context of marriage, there has to be this, this almost competitive nature of I am going to outserve you. And that's, that's a model that the world hasn't seen enough of. The world looks and says, okay, who's the boss of the home? That's the most important thing. And that's why the world looks at the scriptural description and says, how dare they say wives submit to your husband as Christ submits to the church? Listen to me. That's a big calling, ladies. It is. But men, you have a much more severe calling on your shoulders. 
Because when it says for you to love her the way that Christ loved the church, Jesus lived his whole life in service to the church. Jesus lived his life to death on the cross <laughs> in service to the church. He gave his entire life. His blood was spilled for the church. His desires were poured out to serve the church. And so men, that is the calling upon you. And so when a man makes a decision that says, I am going to die daily to serve the Lord and serve my wife and my family, how easy is it to say, I'm going to respect and revere a man who lives like that? And this is why it's so important to, to choose the right person, to choose someone who's chasing after Jesus. Because if you find a man who says, I'm going to revere the Lord and serve my wife, you will have no problem respecting him. But scripture does not make the exclusion for once they're worthy of. It, it says, you know, women, do this and call them up to be better than what they currently are. Give them respect that they do not deserve. That's, that's what it's saying. It's saying if you're going to respect him the way that the church should respect Christ, no man is worthy of that level of respect. And so scripture's saying, call him up, encourage him up, empower him up beyond what he's able to do, and then husband, serve, love, be concerned. But how can you concern yourself with her hopes and her dreams if you don't even know what those are yet? I know how easy it is to get sucked into a pace of life of taking care of the kids, getting the house managed, the different things in business and life and sports and all those things that suck the time. And it's like, when did we last go on a date? Or when, when we did go on a date, when did we last just talk about us? You know what? I've, I've had plenty of losses in my life. Don't don't get me wrong on that, but one of the wins in our relationship was when my wife was a registered nurse. She was working in a pediatric ICU. We, we were together, and we went out, and she told me about her hopes and her dreams, and she said, I think I would like to be a nurse practitioner one day. I feel like God's calling me to that. I think I'm designed for it. Like, I, I think I should do it. And that's a master's degree, and it's, it's a huge cost, and it's a huge time commitment. We have young kids, and it would have been very easy for me to be like, that's an awesome thing to do when we're like 60. And the kids are gone. But I knew that wasn't what was in her heart. And so my response to her was like, we'll figure it out. We'll figure out the tuition. If this is something that's important to you, it's important to me. Let's find a school. Let's start looking. Let's get you started. She's like, I don't know if I'm ready. I'm like, I know that you're ready. She's like, I don't know if I can do it. I know that you can do it. And she went after it and she completed it and she is an awesome nurse practitioner. So there's people who go to our church because, they, because Tia provided care for them. And they're like, whoever is lucky enough to be married to her, like they're probably gonna have some good stuff to say. Like they saw the value in her and now they tolerate me. And I get that. In the same way, when I came to her and I was like, I, I think God might be calling us to, to move and go and plant a church. It would have been very easy for her to say, we have a good job and a good place to live and good friends here and we're comfortable. Well, let's not mess that up. Church planting is dangerous and difficult and heart-wrenching at times. And she said, no, like I, if this is your dream, let's pray about it. And if God opens doors, let's go and let's do it. And there's this, this desire to say, okay, if this is your dream, this is my dream now. 
And I need you, church, to look at your marriage and just simply ask the question, do I know what they want right now for our household, for their career, for their spiritual life, for their friendships? Like, what are the things that they want right now? And I, am I serving them by propelling them towards it? If they're trying to get closer to God, what am I doing to try to fuel that fire for them? If they want to reach our neighbors more, what am I doing to encourage them to take those steps out? If they're trying to advance in the career, how am I strengthening them? Where are their dreams and where is my support? And I recognize that all of the pace of life have maybe just made you blind to that. Well, it's time to open up your eyes. It's time to see the person that you married and that you committed your life to and say, I'm going to get to know you better than what I've known you. I'm going to strengthen this relationship. Band, you guys can make your way up. I'm going to close this out. I know that we won't ever live this perfectly. But I want there to just be this nagging, annoying little voice inside of your head from this sermon that helps you see things a little bit differently. That first of all, when things get difficult and it gets heated, I want you to see that as an opportunity to worship. I have to serve this person. That I'm going to honor our marriage and I'm going to be humble in the way that I navigate this because my end goal is that it's not they earned my respect or they earned me helping them with their dreams, but it's my reverence for the person of Christ, my Savior, the Lord of Lords and the King of Kings. My reverence for him is the fuel for how I treat you. And as a husband and wife, you cannot separate the two. You cannot say, well, I treat them like this because of how they treat me. That's not how scripture designs it. It says it's your reverence for Christ that fuels the way that you submit to one another. And so out of reverence for Christ, you have homework this week. Don't let your spouse forget about this. You have to go out on a date together. Step one. And on that date, you need to share what are the dreams and the hopes for the next five years? What do we want to see God do? What do I want to accomplish? What do I want to change? How do I want us to grow? What are the dreams, the hopes, the prayers for the next five years of our life? Bring a notebook and a pen and write things down. And then out of reverence for Christ, serve your spouse by empowering them to chase those dreams. And as you serve them, there'll be some tense moments, there'll be some difficult moments, there'll be some heat, there'll be some honor, there'll be some humility, but you will build a stronger relationship. maybe before you get to that before you're like before we can even get that we need to talk because things have been rough repent ask for forgiveness confess your love again remind them that you're in this for the long haul and then have that conversation about the dreams and the hopes let's pray together father i lift up the relationships that are here in the room or that are watching online and where maybe there's 
a sense of fear about taking a step because of how things have been, would you give them the courage to follow your leading, to be humble, to serve the person that you've given them? And as we have these conversations about hopes and dreams, we pray that you would just be in them, that you would be giving us spiritual goals that would tie us so closely together that all of the other things that we dream about in a marriage would come along with it. I ask your blessing and your direction over those who seek to walk in your will. May we love each other in a way that is empowered by our reverence for you. In Jesus' name, amen.